This is the Data Download, your guide to upping your game when it comes to managing and accessing data in your organization. For Calibra, I'm your host, Jay Miller. Uh, data products, data ownership, data contracts. Lots of talk about those terms these days in the world of data and analytics. And you all know that I'm allergic to buzzwords. Uh, so it's really important to put real meaning into these things so that we can embrace them and create real use cases in real life. Well, I know someone who's got a great handle on this and putting it to work in his business. So why don't we let him connect the dots for us? Hi, my name is Dennis Vandegraaff. I am uh, responsible for data governance within Wintrust Financial. I'm the VP of data governance. I've been with Wintrust Financial for almost three years in this capacity in supporting data management and data governance and specifically helping solve for data ownership across the, the organization. When we were talking earlier, we were talking a little bit about your role and some of the areas of focus for you. Tell us a little bit about how you approach data governance at Wintrust, you know, particularly in the financial services industry, there are some requirements there. So what does data governance mean, right, in this particular, let's say, sector? Yeah, it, it's obviously very much regulatorily driven, specifically with what they call the systemically important banks. Uh, we're not quite there yet from a systemically important size, but we're starting to grow into that space. So good data governance and, and managing our data becomes that much more important. So it's an area that we've started to really focus on uh, in 2018 and have grown in that space considerably to really support not just our regulatory reporting and, and financial reporting, but starting to take the path towards how to better manage our data at an enterprise level with master data management and, and all other components of, of data management. Ah, okay, so so what I'm hearing you say is, uh, while banks and financial services firms are required, right, through regulation to have data governance practices and programs and things like that, sounds like you're also taking the opportunity to expand, let's say, the role of data governance to just getting more value out of your company's data at an enterprise level. I look at data governance not as just solving for a regulatory component. It really is about best practices on how we should manage our data and be more efficient and effective about our data. That that drives business value. For me, that is just as important, if not more so, than the, than adhering to regulatory standards and whatnot. So what are some examples of that, of how you can get more value out of your data because of data governance? Something like master data management, for instance, specifically when you think about customer master. So within financial institutions, you often have a lot of different products. For those products, we're, we're collecting customer information in many different systems. The way we are collecting that information is usually not the same. And so the goal of a, a master data management solution is to then standardize that for the organization so that we can have better insights in our customer portfolio and make better decisions in terms of, hey, who should we market to? Because we have that insight. Oftentimes, uh, financial institutions and other institutions lack insight into the relationship between products and customers. And as a result, can't really optimize their marketing strategy. And this is one Got of those it. ways to do so. So I guess another, the flip side to that would be who not to market to, right? Right, right. Uh, to, to reduce, uh, let's say, the perceived spam, things like that, I would, I would think, yeah? Yeah, so we have the regulatory focus from 
CCPA, the California Consumer Privacy Act, and GDPR, if, if there's European on the on the European side, that really give power to the consumers to be able to to tell us whether they consent or whether they agree to our their information being used, which is also a component of of ownership as it applies to the consumer. And so we need to be able to manage that for our consumers, our customers. We tailor to their needs. So interesting. All right. So you're using the word ownership in the yes. context of, let's say, consumer privacy. Data professionals think of the word, let's say, data ownership, maybe selfishly, right? Where, you know, this team owns data, that team owns data, et cetera. And, and you're bringing up an interesting twist on that, which is reality-based. And that is, look, if 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 I'm a consumer of, of a business, data about me is my data not that business's data, right? I think that's kind of what you're saying. So there's so many levels of what we would call data ownership. Let's shed a little light on that. That's This is an interesting twist. Yeah, and to your point, when, when organizations look at data ownership, specifically to the data ownership function within their organization, it's obviously sits in a box, right? It's, okay, what does ownership mean to us as an organization? But in reality, it starts with the consumer, Right. They still own their own data and they have the rights and privileges that is afforded to that type of ownership. Now, not in all cases, obviously, because if we are recording information to support them from a financial perspective with a product, a mortgage, a loan or, or something else, then we are required to maintain that data whether they like it or not. Right. That's just part of the part of the rules of, of managing a, a loan like that. But when it comes to marketing, they certainly still have very much the the right to ask us to either remove their data or how their data is being used, consent uh, as to marketing and whatnot. So I do think it uh, there's a component of ownership there that that is important. That's really important clarity, I think, for for our audiences to to think about. You know, how do we differentiate who owns what parts of data when we talk about within the enterprise? And that word data ownership, you mentioned earlier why you might want to create a master data management program. And that is, you're, let's say you're creating or collecting consumer data from multiple different systems because you have, I think you said, multiple different financial products. So master data management allows you to standardize across all of those systems. So within the enterprise, let's break down the components of ownership there, right? One system owns, you know, one team owns one system that has consumer information and another team owns another system that has the same, like who does what, who owns what? This can be really confusing and challenging, especially in a master data management program, right? Because you've got lots of players, I would imagine. At its core, data ownership is about responsibility in, in terms of decision-making on, on data, and so when you look at the, the origination platforms, like take a mortgage, for instance, we have a, a mortgage platform where the mortgage is being recorded. At the, at the point that the mortgage is recorded, that ownership sits within that mortgage team. Now, when we start to kind of unravel the, the data by, you know, that mortgage then gets sent over to a servicing platform. Now that servicing platform takes over a component of ownership. And then the customer data separately gets sent to an MDM or is aligned with an MDM to be able to manage that at a central level. When you have these handoffs or when that's looking at that particular structure, that ownership may change. And then specifically when you're thinking about a customer master, as we're centralizing, standardizing the customer record 
organizationally. We also need an enterprise owner for that type of data. Otherwise, to your point, we would get lost in how should we and how can we use this data downstream? Plus, what are the decisions that need to be made on feeding that information back to the various source systems as well? And if some other team wants to do analytics around that customer list, let's say, Another decision is who uh, approval of access to that information, right, uh, at the enterprise level. So do you, in your role as uh, the head of data governance, own that enterprise customer data set? Or wh how does that work? What I would say is that where data governance helps here is help identify and define these types of roles and definitions and, and help figure out organizationally where that ownership belongs. Now, if we see a gap, like for instance, MDM is a good good example. When an MDM starts organizationally, there usually isn't an enterprise function from a business perspective that controls and has decision-making uh, privileges on the data itself. And so I do see data governance play a role. So data governance inherently for me is a business function. It's not so much a technology function as it is a business function. And so it can, in interim, help control that, that particular space until we, we have a, an appropriate business group in place to support that. And that is your ultimate objective, is to get a business team department to have that responsibility. Another aspect of where data governance adds value to this whole thing is helping you know, whether that's through technology or otherwise, but helping to make that those roles and responsibilities clear and obvious to others within the enterprise so that they know who to go to when something's wrong or if they have a question or if they need to request access, things like that. So, so uh, your data governance role adds a lot of value to that process internally too, yeah? Yeah, it, it does. Um, obviously, the definition of roles and responsibilities is a core output of, of any type of data governance function. That's what we put in our policies. That's what we put on our standards. But it's really the the cultural absorption of those those types of roles and responsibilities that is that is key. It's it's easy to describe roles and responsibilities as it aligns to specific functions, data ownership, stewardship, or whatnot. It is much more difficult to actually bring that into practice and and setting those standards for those or for the organization as a whole. Let's say you think a specific team should have a responsibility for owning data and they don't want to be the owner. <laughs> like how do you how do you handle how do you handle let's say those organizational challenges? I'm sure they come up they they probably come up for everybody here in the, at the audience, right? How do you how do you approach that? There's components of that and then then there's components of people that think they are the owner and that aren't the owner. So there's there's the inverse of that as well. But let's let's tackle the first one. Um, if people don't want to be the owner. So in my experience that when we talk to individuals across the organization and there's strong resistance for ownership, it's really one of two things. And it's predominantly the the first one. We're not talking to the right person. In reality, when we talk to the individuals that truly believe that they're responsible for the data and context of their product that they're, that they're supporting, whether that be the mortgage situation that we described or, or other loans or debit credit cards, you know, it doesn't really matter. When you are talking to the right people, there oftentimes is a, there's an aha moment. It's like, okay, that's what my role is. Yeah, that's already embedded into my current best practices or current standards of what their role currently is. So they will automatically assume that 
position. With that obviously comes additional responsibilities that they may not be aware of, but that's a different conversation. The second part is that <clears throat> they truly don't believe that they're the owner. And we've seen that as well. And then it's then it in my mind is really about the communication. We haven't really appropriately explained what that ownership truly represents and how that reflects to their specific domain. Oftentimes that resistance is related to, oh, you're going to make me do more stuff, uh, which is true. We are going to make them do more stuff because that honestly, that is healthy when it comes to, to data and data management. But the reality is that we have to be clear in, in what that role represents. And once we do cut through the, hey, what does this really mean? And and what what does data ownership mean in context of their data set? That's when it usually does convince them that they're the appropriate owner. What's the win for an owner who might be a little apprehensive about being an owner of data? There's multiple areas that we tend to focus on. Like when we're talking to more consumer-related owners, it's about having control of their data sets. But when you're really talking about the, the first line, what we call in, in the financial institutions, about the where, the where the product is being sold, that's an important aspect because it's about what this ownership allows us to do is tie the information that you're producing to the rest of the organization for for you to then make better sense of where to potentially take your product and make more money. That is typically what where it helps, you know, swallow the pill, so to speak. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I love it, right? So by taking that ownership responsibility for your for that particular data set, let's say, others get to use it in a consistent way, and you get to connect your data with other people's data that they own, other teams' data that they own, so that you can all create more value for the firm through through that, right? I think I think that's that's what winds up happening is that consistent approach, that enterprise view, uh, and all of that. I think what you're saying is is that the opportunity gets expanded, gets magnified quite a bit. One of the ways to to really help with that is to not treat data governance as a rigid platform where it's about following the rules. Instead, we should tailor our message based on who we're talking to. Conversations, for instance, with compliance and risk tend to be much more straightforward because they understand the inherent principles behind what we're trying to do because we're a similar type of function. But conversations with upstream data providers need to be more focused around how this is going to help them as well as how this brings structure within their world and gives them more clarity about how their data is being used. That was a lot. Uh, <laughs> uh, really important stuff here. And I think that that, that gives us practitioners in, in the data governance space some, some ideas on how we might approach uh, tackling these challenges in, in all of our organizations. So thank you for that, Dennis. Terms and concepts are gaining a lot of traction in our industry. In your line of work, financial services, you sell financial data products, I would think, right? Uh, uh, et cetera. So when we talk about all of this, are we thinking of data, data sets, maybe machine learning models, statistical models, analytical uh, data sets, reports, dashboards, are all of those things potentially something that we might think of as a data product? Not in the context of data product 
the examples that you provided are clearly data consumers. And what we typically see, especially with the modeling side and the reporting side, is that when data moves to their platforms to be used, they're transforming some of that data to make sense for their specific model. And my guiding principle there typically is when that data is transformed, does it lose the context for the the data for the source where it came from and the moment it starts to be less meaningful or not meaningful to the source then it that's when that ownership in my mind changes to that particular team and so what you typically see in the on the reporting side and the modeling side is that there's a a blended level of ownership where some of the data is still tied back because it's one it's a pass through of information so that still traces back to the various to the various sources if you've got some concept of ownership around the data that they're transforming and the data model that they're creating to support their downstream reporting, which really is now owned by that particular team, that consumer-driven team. Got it. So if we're tracing what we would call, let's say, data lineage from source systems to uh, to a centralized system, let's say, then to downstream, I think you said downstream derivative systems, let's say a model, a report, et cetera. Each of those steps within that traced lineage between those things um, might have different owners along the way with different, let's say, uh, interactions between each other uh, at a system level, right? And at a, at a team level too. So the other term that, that we're hearing a lot about is data contracts, right? So, so when we talk about all of these different uh, teams, uh, that might own parts along the way toward that final, I, I think you're not using the term data product, but let's just call it that for, for, for argument's sake, that, that report might be a data product or a model might be a data product, as well as the original source system, uh, source data. So there are different teams. Are, are you establishing any sort of contractual relationship or agreement between those different teams? How do you... How do you approach that? You have to. Um, okay. It's, it's, it's important, especially when you see that level of transformation and you start to see the complexity between how data is used from the source and then the controls that the consumer is putting on top of the data. And this isn't just a one-step approach either. This could be multiple steps. Like there could be an MDM in between and that, that brings another com complexity level of, of ownership. But to me, the data contract does... It, it does two things. It helps um, helps connect the provider of data with the consumer of data to make sure that we're talking about the data in the same way because that's one of the big issues that, that you typically see in, in complex data, data organizations is that the consumer makes assumptions on data that aren't necessarily true and then they have to transform the data because they, the data doesn't match their perspective and then they right. draw conclusions of the data that are completely false because... The data wasn't supposed to be. <laughs> yes. That's so that the, context you were mentioning before, I think, yeah, too, right? Yep, exactly. And so that data contract becomes very important there to, to set the understanding between the provider and the consumer. The, the second thing in my mind that it does is it helps with the overall um, controls around the data as well. It's agreement between the, the consumer and the provider that says, yes, you can use this data in this particular capacity, and I'm giving you the authority, as it were, to further make decisions on who can access that data further downstream from you. Because that's, that's the other component of data ownership, which is access, right? Access authority. 
normally you would want to say only the owner can authorize access. But in when there's multiple hops involved, if someone in the risk modeling team, uh, a new person gets added, you don't want to go all the way back to all these source systems and say, hey, is it okay for us to add this person to this particular group so that they have access to the data? You agree that the head of risk modeling or the, the leader that is responsible for that data model can authorize access downstream from their data set. I think what you're telling me is, let's let's say there's a two-step uh, data product, right? You've got some master data and you've got a report that uses it. And there's two different owners, right? I think this is the example. And your risk modeling team is the secondary, the downstream owner, right? So what you're saying is the originating owner is kind of delegating authorization approval rights maybe in in this data contract to the risk model team so that they can authorize downstream consumers of that thing to it. So the win here is you've got some business efficiency, or at least you're not adding, let's say, corrosive bureaucracy for your for your business, right? So you're at least you're at least keeping things as efficient as as possible. Um, for everybody, everybody concerned. Exactly right. Because yeah. it's so difficult for, when you look at the data model for modeling or for reporting, because it's a blended ownership component, it's it's then in that case you want to kind of zoom out a little bit and extrapolate the individual field level ownership, and set up ownership at a data at a data set level rather than than the field level. So. Establishing that contract is therefore very much important because that's the agreement that we then have between the original source and then initially the consumer of the data, but the consumer also produces data within that context. What other kinds of contract terms might be in this data contract? So you've, you, you talked about delegating authorization rights. What, what other kinds of contract terms might there be? Maybe quality control? What what security uh, like what other responsibilities have to be kind of spelled out in in such a contract? Yeah, so security obviously is in, inherent with with what we just described. Inherent understanding of what the data represents is is a core component of it. Quality as well, but quality is is hard to contractually establish, especially when quality tends to be more driven by how our data changes over time. And so while I do think in the contract there should be stipulations that describe the the roles uh, and how quality should be managed, because if a quality issue is found, you know, the general principles you want to solve for that as close to the source as possible. But it there's also an inherent um, inherent interpretation component to it because data quality is observed at the consumer and not necessarily the provider. I'm a simple guy, so let let, yeah. let let me ask a simple quality kind of question, and 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 how this might play a role in in a data contract. You've got an executive who's looking at a downstream report. That executive is a cons total consumer. They're not producing anything. They're just looking at the re end report. You've got your risk modeling team that made the report as an owner, as a producer who's providing that thing to the executive, and then you've got upstream data product providers to that to the risk team. Executive comes in in the morning, looks at report, report broken, right? It's it's missing data, let's say. How can a data contract help 
determine who's responsible for what types of troubleshooting, response, fixing, et cetera, et cetera, so that that report works for that executive within X amount of time. So I think in that particular example, who does that executive go to first? They're going to the, the producers of that report, which is essentially not the owners necessarily of the data. They go, oh, you gave me this report. It's wrong. Or there's something, there's an issue with it. Figure, figure it out. And and so I think what the data contract does and what lineage does and what all these discussions have done to establish that we understand the data is for that team that produces the report to understand who they need to go to for what type of issue. And and that's that is something that I do think uh, is something that can be defined in that data contract. Like if we know that we're missing data, okay, we need to go to the IT team to see what happened with with the data feed. If we know, oh, there's, it seems like we're missing part of the portfolio. Oh, let's talk to the the this particular source, the mortgage team or the the loans team or deposits team or whatnot. Is did something go wrong with the data? And typically, in in those scenarios, that's when when those teams tend to go to data management or data governance to help with understanding what the problem is. Uh, and this could be further supported with you know, data quality rules and, and whatnot, but that's more of a, once we've established that there is an issue. So so I think the data contract can outline the various teams that are involved in making this a successful data contract. And as a result, give context to wherever the problem is recorded to determine which teams or team members should be involved in resolving that particular issue. And then if all else fails, then they can come to us within data governance and we'll help figure it out. You're using the data contract concept to help get really specific about who, who's responsible for what parts of that whole end-to-end data ecosystem uh, so that that executive is able to get the, the best results in the most timely fashion. You know, and when something does go wrong, we can walk back up up the tree efficiently. I think that's what you're, that's, that's the win there, I think, is, is adding some efficiency to troubleshooting issues because you've assigned some responsibilities, right? Along yes, yeah. And and I've, I've lived this type of example before in, in my past where my CFO came to me and had two reports in his hands and one came from our management reporting system, which is a downstream platform, the, and the other came from our Oracle financial system, which is our financial ledger, basically general ledger. And long story short, the margin in the management reporting system showed 35% and in the general ledger was 15%. And so his his statement was, the management reporting system must be right. And I had to unfortunately <laughs> give him the bad number. news. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And so there's that's why I'm saying there's a component of interpretation there that is that is fundamental to to how this is managed. And then the uh-huh. moment that he realized that, no, our general ledger is correct. I mean, that's obviously when the proverbial, you know. <laughs> so, all right. So you've, you've described just this in- incredible, let's say, uh, journey, uh, a, matura- a data maturity, let's say, uh, evolution uh, at your shop um, to, to formalize managing data so that people get the most value out of it as possible, efficiently, uh, et cetera. So where are you headed next? Like, what would you want to mature further, maybe in the context of this conversation or even even beyond it? What are we not thinking about or talking about yet? We tend to focus initially 
uh, or have a very narrow focus on financial reporting or regulatory or risk reporting. And so the next step for me uh, is to expand that to a, to a more enterprise level focus of not just data ownership, but data contracts and data quality and, and having the right people in the right spots to have these conversations, regardless of what the data represents. As long as it's critical for the organization, for their operational success, it's critical for me. It's not just driven by regulatory focus. So that really is the next step for me. So business opportunity Offensive uses of data, not just yes. defenses, defensive uses of data. Is that kind of how I would differentiate like where yep. you're headed? Yes, and and a heavy focus on data quality because because we That's know great. that okay. in, inherently data quality is is a big topic in in a lot of institutions. It's something mm -hmm. that doesn't always get the focus that it that it deserves to make sure that our data has the appropriate quality for decision making. Yeah. Now, when you're talking about offensive uses of data for, let's say, business opportunity reasons, right, uh, to drive that kind of value. Are we, are we talking about envisioning the, you know, greater use of uh, artificial intelligence, machine learning, generative AI, things like that? Are we, are we talking about heading in that direction? Quality, I think, plays a major role in making sure that works well, right? So is that, is that kind of what's inspiring? Is that one of the inspirations, at least? I'm curious where, where you're headed with that. Yeah, that's very early stage for us, uh, for sure. It's definitely something that's on on our mind, um, as especially as you see those platforms enhancing in in capability, and it's going to be much easier for those types of technologies to make sense of our data versus doing that through profiling and and uh, manual analytics, so to speak. So, absolutely, there's going to be opportunity there to to help expedite the insight into our data and to determine where our quality issues may occur. You know, I, I said the word win a bunch of times and value, and you, we mentioned efficiency and things like that. Are you measuring the value of your data governance program? You know, are you and to talk about that? Um, are there KPIs, things like that? Are you, how, how are you approaching that? Or are you? Yeah, we definitely are looking at expanding our, our KPIs and to be able to articulate what we're covering and what areas we should be focusing on. And that would typically translate in more refined KPIs that can help measure that. But inherently, it's it's extremely difficult to measure success of data governance because it's usually not directly tangible. Like when we built that efficiency, how do you measure that, right? Like one of the core tenants with data governance is, okay, you want to minimize your data hops. You want to uh, standardize your data. You want to create a a data set that can be used many times, but building such a data set takes time and effort and doesn't bring direct benefits. And so how do you measure then the five, 10 years down the road, we're still using the same data set with great success as a means and, and, and compare that to what the current state is. It's, it's, that's, I think, one of the biggest struggles that hmm. most well, data maybe governance. That, maybe, maybe you just invented a measure and that could be for a given data product, I know you don't like that term, I, I, that, that's my term in the, at the moment, but, <laughs> uh, but for, 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 a, for a given data product, how many times has it been, is it reused to make other derivative data products? So that kind of is a, an, you know, a magnified value or an amplified value of that originating data set. So maybe, is that a measure, right? How, how often is a given data set used to create downstream 
derivative data sets? You know, is that an idea? Absolutely, yeah. Reuse, reuse of data is, is key. Should we come up with a name for that measure? Uh, <laughs> we're going to brand it the Dennis. Uh, no, the Dennis I don't think so. I, I, I don't think this is novel by any stretch of the imagination. But uh, no, it, it is important. Uh, I think re reuse of data is is fundamental um, to, to efficiency, to su success of downstream use, but also consistency. Because uh, that's really the biggest pitfall is fit for purpose data sets that could create it that have a a nuanced difference in how they're created and therefore the interpretation of it is flawed or faulty yeah it puts more responsibility on the shoulders of that owner of that thing of course right um but that person can or team can at least be proud that they're providing that magnified amplified value right to multiple downstream data products so this so there's that's a, a nice two-way value proposition yep and I, I do think that's that's where like data management and data governance play a big role to help support the the data owners to build those products for downstream usage. So it's not entirely on the data owner to 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 really manage that. It's actually that's where it tends to get more into the data management space to help manage that for for and connecting the dots, so to speak. I love a good dot connecting story. Yeah, uh, Dennis. Uh, I think clearly we could talk about this all day. This is oh, super yeah. interesting to, to us. Uh, what can folks learn from from you? Do you have any parting words for us? For me, the biggest thing, especially around the topic of data ownership, it's it's at the core of what uh, a successful data governance program looks like. Without data owners, you're going to be lost um, in in terms of solving for data for data governance and data management. So, having a strong definition and a strong program that that helps find define and and then help those data owners to be successful across the organization is is fundamental that was a really helpful discussion with dennis i'm going to try and summarize what i heard a data product is some sort of tangible data asset like a, a customer database it has a provider and consumers. That provider is really the data owner. And now a data contract, something that clearly states the terms of an agreement between that provider and a consumer to set and manage expectations for the data product. So that uh, customer database is a super interesting example. At Wintrust, uh, there are several departments that essentially sell different services to customers. And each of their customer lists are essentially different components of that ultimate master customer database. To make all of that work, each of those uh, list providers have agreements with each other along the way right, to get to that ultimate customer database. And that database is going to be used in other downstream analytics and reporting, each of which have providers and consumers too. So then the agreements in place at all of those stages cover things like data quality, security, privacy controls, access controls, and approvals. Now, what's the value in this? Well, providers and consumers alike now can trust the data products and they can make use of them to drive greater value across the whole business. Consumers now know who to get help from when support is needed. And providers know that their data products are being reused and combined for even greater value. Now, for my money, that's a great story about connecting the dots with data. For Calibra, this is The Data Download. I'm your host, Jay Millicher, and we'll see you next time. Want even more insight into managing your data? 
visit Calibra.com slash podcast for additional resources on the topics covered in our show. Be sure to follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss a new episode. And a five-star review certainly doesn't hurt our chances with the algorithm. It's all about the algorithm, isn't it, folks? It's a great way to help us reach new listeners, and we truly do appreciate your support. The Data Download is a production of Calibra in collaboration with Stories Bureau.